Hey, this is Matthew's Table podcast channel. We wanted to thank you for joining us today. Hope this inspires you, builds your faith, and reminds you of who you are, but more importantly, whose you are. With that being said, good morning, church. And for any first-timers that are here with us this morning, I hope you experience the tangible love of God in a very awkward way. Some stranger's hug, handshake, or something. But I don't want you to leave here without knowing that we care about you and we love you and we're so thankful that you chose to join us. With that being said, welcome to Matthew's Table, where we love you where you're at, but love you enough not to allow you to stay that way, and we're glad that you're here. For those of you who've been tracking along with us, uh, we've been walking through the book of John now for two and a half years, and I'm picking back up in John this morning as we're walking through the resurrection account. The resurrection account is in the final two chapters, chapter 20 and 21 in the book of John, and coincidentally or providentially, however you choose to see that, we're also leading ourselves up to celebrating this exact account that we're covering in these next five to six weeks on Easter ourselves, right? Pretty cool. And if you guys can remember, two weeks ago, we looked at uh, John and Peter's experience at the empty tomb. And this morning, it's all about the one that Jesus picked, Mary Magdalene, to be his first eyewitness and to share that she had seen the risen Lord. I've thought a lot about this over the last week, how God strategically made each move to fulfill his will and his plan for every one of the disciples through the, through the first 20 chapters of this book. And, and honestly, even each of us here this morning, and I can say it's not how I would have done it. I wouldn't have written it that way, and I wouldn't have chosen those that he chose that way, which is exactly what makes God God and me just me. Looking back, I have a thousand stories to share, and I'm sure you guys got a ton too, but I kind of want you to think that way right now, how at a particular time in my life and ministry, God was working behind the scenes, and I couldn't recognize it or see it for what it was. I'll give you two examples to make make you understand just how big of an idiot I am. Many of you don't know this, but uh, I got, when I was still at Friends of Sinners, someone reached out and had asked if I would go out and interview a gentleman in the jail. A gentleman's name was Joe Welsh. And after talking to him, I decided he wasn't ready for Friends of Sinners. I declined him. Did not allow him to enter into that ministry. Another one, Haley Jones received uh, a call, asked if we would go out and interview her to see if she was a potential participant for Friends of Sinners, and I denied her. Now, obviously, if you guys don't know, Joe Welsh is now the executive director at Friends of Sinners, and Haley is the women's assistant supervisor. And what you might also not know is those two single-handedly are responsible for reaching far more people in that ministry than I ever did or could have. 
So it's amazing to see what God does with people, right? But there's some other ones, for example, uh, those of you that are here this morning that were a part of our uh, first small church before Matthew's Table ever even started at Brandy and Charlie's. Is there anybody that was here at that? I know you were. Brandy Hine, Darby and them, Jones, yeah. So uh, what's cool about that is uh, we were just getting together in fellowship and on a Sunday night and turned out uh, becoming exactly what we have right here this morning, which is so cool because you don't know that and you don't think that when, when that's happening, right? Like God's working and you don't even have a clue what's going to happen. But through that small church of people, it ended up becoming what we are today, and I thank God for that. But there's other people that I think about. There was a, a guy uh, 10 years ago, I was working at the Lighthouse, and uh, he came there, and uh, I was working with him, and man, I just felt like he had a lot of potential, um, and I really spent time with him and invested into him, and, and he's, he's turned out to be a pretty good guy. But the point is, uh, he was always talking to me about his best friend. Like, Roger, we got to reach this guy, man. I'm telling you, I love this dude. I grew up with him. He's my childhood friend. And years went on. And, of course, he went back out. And then we started Friends of Sinners. And then he came into Friends of Sinners. And he was still talking about this guy. But I never paid any attention to that because I was convinced God wanted me to invest into him and pour into him and, and try to be his friend and see what God was going to do with him. And uh, turns out that his best friend was Ryan Mosley who's with us today, him and his wife, and who's responsible for starting the gift of, Gifts of Love for the nonprofit organizations that you guys are seeing all over Facebook, which is amazing to me, right? And then there's other people that come to mind. I know I'm not going to mention some, and people's going to be like, well, we didn't say nothing about These are just the ones that God kind of led me to, to share, but um, Rocky who's here with us now. Um, 2006, I was released from prison. I went to a men's accountability group. Now, you guys have heard that. It's my testimony. I thought they were all weird and want, you know, wanting something from me. He's hugging on me. And what I saw was that there was something different about them. And what I know is that her dad was there, and he invested into me, and he poured into me. And I thought, I thought back on it. Uh, we used to pray for his daughter, Rochelle Lilly. And about a month ago, I didn't know her. I never knew her, never met her, never seen a picture of her, didn't know who she was. I just knew that this man loved her and wanted her to come to know Jesus in an intimate way. And uh, about a month ago or so, I'm sure I've messed that up too, but uh, I was standing up here getting ready to preach and I was talking and it was like the Lord was just like, look over there. And I looked over there and this, this lady come walking in and I was like, huh. And she come right up to me and she's like, hey, check this out. I'm, I'm Rochelle Lilly. My dad's Jack. You guys have been writing me a letter for a year in jail. I don't know who wrote me the letter. All I know is that Matthew Sable was writing me a letter and it meant so much to me. And I knew that God wanted me to come here. So I'm here today and I want you to know I'm all in. And I thought... I had baptized her oldest son. I had been friends with her dad for years and never knew nothing about her, just know that we prayed for her, and now she's here. You know what I mean? Like, it's crazy when you think about these things. I think about going to the jail 
when I was I first started Friends of Sinners, and I wanted to do a Bible study out there just to do a Bible study. And I go out there, and I'm doing a Bible study. And there's this uh, short, weird-looking guy approached me, and he's like, look, man, you're not, you're not going to believe this, but I feel like God's telling me I'm supposed to come to Friends of Sinners. I live in eastern Kentucky where we don't even have a TV, but uh, since I'm here, uh, it's like God's telling me I'm supposed to talk to you and let you know that I'm supposed to come to Friends of Sinners. He ended up coming to Friends of Sinners. His name's Stephen Kidd. And I'm going to talk a little more about that later. And I think about Tracy Hamilton, who uh, everybody was like, oh, Tracy's a tough guy. You don't want to mess with Tracy. We go out and see Tracy in jail, and he, he thought me and Cam was uh, federal police officers. Uh, <laughs> I don't know if that was a compliment or a, you know, before Christ it wasn't a compliment. I've been offended. But, uh, but he was, I mean, technically he was our first client, and he was our first graduate, and he's still with us today, walking strong and loving the Lord. <laughs> I think about Julius Maddox, who, uh, when I did go to the jail to interview him for him to come into the program, I remember when the, the jail guard came around with him to bring him into this small little room, it was just going to be me and him, and I thought, how in the world do I get out of here? <laughs> like, this dude, I say the wrong thing to him, I was, I was super nice that day, you know what I mean? I was like, look, man, what can I do for you? you don't hit me. And... Uh, but what was cool is he came to Friends of Sinners, and while he was at Friends of Sinners, he always talked to me about these two brothers that he grew up with, and how he wanted to pray for them, and how he wished he could reach them, and maybe one day he could be like me and Cam and do something uh, to where he, he allowed these people that was so important to him to see Christ the way he's seen Christ, and those two brothers was Rob and Nick Martin, who's here with us today. And so how, you know, God is just strategically working things together all the time and you don't recognize, you don't realize it because God does what he does, right? And it's just, so, so I got tons of stories and I just ain't got time. I'm going to talk a little bit more about them here in a little while. But with that being said, I wouldn't have picked Mary Magdalene. I wouldn't have picked none of them dudes I just told you about, right? God picked them. I wouldn't have picked Mary Magdalene to be the one to see the resurrected Christ first. And that's what I want to talk to you guys about today, which we'll come back to later. I'm going to read the passage real quick in John chapter 20, verses 11 through 18. If you have your Bible, you can get that out. If you don't, it's on your phone and you're looking at Facebook. Just look at John 20, 11 through 18. I'm going to read that to you now. But Mary stood weeping outside the tomb, and as she wept, she stooped to look into the tomb, and she saw two angels in white sitting where the body of Jesus had lain, one at the head and one at the feet. And they said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? She said to them, They've taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they've laid him. Having said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing, but she didn't know that it was Jesus. And Jesus said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? Supposing him to be the gardener, she said to him, Sir, if you've carried him away, tell me where you have laid him, and I'll take him away. And Jesus replied, Mary, she turned and said to him in Aramaic, Rabbani, which means teacher. Jesus said to her, Do not cling to me, for I've not yet ascended to the Father, but go to my brothers and say to them, I'm ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene turned and went and announced this to the disciples. I've seen the Lord. And that he had said 
these things to her. So we're actually dealing with just uh, a continuation at the empty tomb with Mary Magdalene and her testimony as to what she saw as well as an important conversation that she had with Jesus standing there. In verses 1 through 10, a couple, week ago, a couple weeks ago I preached on that, she arrives first to the tomb out of devotion to the Lord to do some customary burial rituals only to find that the stone had been rolled away and Jesus no longer there. So she runs and tells the disciples that his body had been stolen despite what the angels had told her, revealing the turmoil within, within her to believe what she knew she had been told. And what we can assume to be experiencing through this two to three hours, that's, that's my guesstimation of Mary's life in verses 1 through 18, is not about what Mary's doing or not doing, but rather what God is doing and planned to do all along. So in our verses 11 through 19 this morning, the disciples, they've came back and gone, or they've came and they've gone. And we find a devastated, broken-hearted Mary Magdalene sitting at the tomb, overwhelmed with grief and despair that her master was gone. And left to draw the conclusion that his body had been stolen. Even though she'd been told by Jesus about Jesus being resurrected on the third day. We know that because of Luke chapter 18 verses 31 through 33. And taking the twelve, Jesus said to them, See, we are going up to Jerusalem, and everything that's written about the Son of Man by the prophets will be accomplished. For he will be delivered over to the Gentiles, that's the Romans, and he will be mocked and shamefully treated by his own people and spit upon, and after flogging him, they will kill him, and on the third day, he will rise. Now, Mary was there, I believe I can say that, Mary was there and, because he did it three times. The actual passage said the third time Jesus told them. She had to have heard Jesus tell her that. But she's still wrestling with the idea that it could be true right now. So Mary convinced that the body had been taken, is approached by a man that she doesn't recognize, but turns out to be Jesus. There's a lot of speculation here by theologians and, and scholars that's uh, far smarter than I am as to why she thought Jesus was the gardener of the cemetery. But I'm going to give you my opinion, okay? And I want, I want to make that clear, because if I'm given an opinion, Opinion, something that's not biblical truth. I'm not going to say it's truth. I want you to understand it's my opinion. Okay? It's important to me. The resurrected Christ was unrecognizable because of a supernatural spiritual transformation. Because that's, what's being, that's what being resurrected does for someone. Going from death to life. It's a fancy way of saying there was a spiritual change affecting his outward appearance. It's the whole point 
to the church closed sermon I did a couple weeks ago. God changes the inside, not the outside. And the outside doesn't make you good with God, but the inside. And when Christ saves you and changes you from the inside out, it's bound to change your appearance. Appearance. And oftentimes making you unrecognizable. You want to show the the one picture of uh, Captain? Well, huh. I want you. Uh, in my defense, I want to show you a picture of. Yeah. Unrecognizable, right? That was before Jesus. And to my defense, now y'all, now y'all know why I didn't think he was ready. <laughs> you know what I mean? I was like, you chicken neck fool, what are you talking about, dude? I'm kidding. He gave me permission to do this, by the way. But, it, but it's a perfect illustration of what God does with people through the resurrection of Christ and being alive and dying and being raised to walk in newness of life, right? Um, it just changes you. If you guys know Joe now, what I didn't mention earlier is Joe is one of my best friends who is probably single-handedly my biggest encourager often. Haley is one of my wife's best friends who walked with her through some very difficult times, right? God changes you, and you can't even recognize the person that you see when they're in Christ. By the way, I pulled up a lot of y'all's mugshots. We we'll look at Haley's now. No, I'm just kidding. We don't have it. But seriously, like I was just typing people in. I don't know everybody's name, so just the ones that I know real close. And uh, man, I just sit there and praise God. I was like, wow, like man, God is good. You know, there's few of me. Go on and get on there. You know what I mean? It looks ridiculous, but it's true. But Jesus revealing himself to us and allowing us to see the risen Christ in a personal, intimate way is a part of everyone's testimony, right? Like that's what we talk about, like what God's done for us, how he's changed us. And you can most recognize it through love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness. When you hang out with Joe Welsh, if you don't see Jesus Christ, then you ain't looking for him, man. You know what I mean? unrecognizable. It's funny because when I sent the image to Brandy, I was like, hey, I want to use this for the sermon Sunday. She goes, she texts back not knowing what I was trying to accomplish. And she said, I almost didn't recognize him. That's my point. And for the purpose of defending the argument that Mary could have been crazy, because we could say that, right? Like, you know, Mary was, she was just crazy. She was in an emotional state of, of turmoil. So maybe she just didn't recognize Jesus because of that. The argument that Mary could have been crazy and seeing things would be true if we didn't have Luke 24. That literally says, on the same day. And goes on to tell us that Jesus had came alongside two men who were walking home on the road to Emmaus. Also says, who had witnessed. They were coming from Jerusalem, the Easter events. The life, the death, the crucifixion, the burial. Hadn't seen the resurrection. 
Left a little early. But Jesus comes along. And He inserts Himself in their conversation. Unrecognizable is what it says. They didn't know it was Jesus. Joining them on their journey and not revealing Himself until the, the, the appointed time. Right? So there's another account. They didn't recognize Jesus for who He was. Yet in Mary's moment of heartbreak and confusion, Jesus is moved to reveal Himself to her. A patient, compassionate, gentle, kind, forgiving Savior calls out her name, Mary. So when she heard her name called, she immediately knew who He was and the, the Bible says that, that passage says that she went to cling on to Him, but He tells her not to because she would soon have a relationship with the Father that would be far better than hanging out with the God-man Jesus Christ because of the Spirit of God coming and dwelling inside of her as the promise that He left them with. In John 14, verses 25 through 29. I'll just read a couple of them. 25. This is Jesus speaking to them. These things I've spoken to you while I'm still with you. But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I've said to you. Verse 28. You heard me say to you, I'm going away and I will come to you. If you love me, you would have rejoiced because I am going to the Father for the Father is greater than I. And now I've told you before it takes place so that when it does take place, you may believe. This right now, what we're talking about and dealing with this morning is what Jesus was telling her. And I want each of you to know that there is so much we can learn from Mary in these eight verses. I got a couple examples uh, I want to share with you. Uh, those couple examples would be despite the circumstances she finds herself in, she remains devoted to Him. Even when she doesn't understand what God is doing. She's faithful. She stayed at the empty tomb. When no one else did. Can you say the same thing this morning? Do you pursue Jesus when times seem chaotic and out of your control like Mary did? Or do you run back to what you knew before Jesus? When things look like God is absent and not paying attention to you and your current events, do you lose sight of Jesus? Do you forget God's promises to the believer because things aren't going the way you think they should go? Another lesson that we can learn is because Mary chose to stay and obey it moved Jesus to reveal Himself to her. Which teaches us if we are to grow in our faith and intimacy with Jesus, we must know that His intention is to become more to us through obedience. And because of obedience, He rewards His children. 
Guys, Mary was there through all the miracles and life-changing teachings of Jesus. And at this moment, feeling like and questioning where God is now, literally, are you in a place this morning where you're struggling to even get out of bed? Where maybe you're just going through the motions. You can't seem to see God or feel the presence of God in your own life. There are things happening in your life right now that you are mad and angry about. And you can't reconcile in your mind how a good, loving, just, and, and compassionate father could allow the circumstances taking place in your life right now. You're tired. You're frustrated. Maybe you're depressed. But you can be angry. And this empty tomb account highlights how God never leaves us nor forsakes us. Jesus was standing beside her the whole time demonstrating our obedience is the key to unlocking a deeper relationship with Jesus. Hebrews 11.1 1 says, Now faith is assurance of things hoped for, right? And the conviction of things not seen. Y'all ever heard that saying, don't quit before the miracle happens? As a child of God, we can trust that if we keep pushing, we keep trudging, and we never give up, His will will be done. Considering all those things, it would be easy to uh, criticize Mary, in my opinion, and think to yourself, what a nimwit, like what a motard, what, a, what an idiot. Like She saw Jesus, Jesus told us all this was going to happen, and here she is, she's questioning, she's challenging, she's upset, she don't understand. It'd be really easy to criticize Mary. But the truth is, I am Mary in this story. The reason we need to know Mary's testimony at the tomb is because we're all just like her. I know what Jesus has said. And I know what Jesus can do. But I get so caught up in my own circumstances, I fail to realize I'm not believing on Him to do everything He said and can and will do. I know the truth, and the truth has set me free from so much, but I oftentimes find myself asking God, where are you? And it never fails after a time of wrestling in my flesh where I wear myself out and I wear myself down. He gently calls my name through the Scriptures or oftentimes either even through other believers' encouragement, revealing Himself in a new way, and I'm reminded He's been right there all along. Before you get too hyped and too excited, I want you to hear this. this is, if I had a mic drop moment, this is it. Alright? He's been right there all along. He just looked different. 
He was in a bigger way, doing something bigger for me that I'd yet to experience he was capable of doing. And I didn't recognize him while I was in that storm. Then he calls my name and he reveals himself to me in a newer way. Take heart, Christian. He cares for you and his love for you never ends. And that's a truth that you can stand on. But what happens next is what led me to what I believe God is asking each of us at Matthew's table to do from today till Easter. So I need you guys to listen. What we see standing at the empty tomb, we've dealt with the rest of that passage. It's the last part of the passage where he tells her what to do, right? Jesus passes the earthly ministry torch off. That's what he's doing. He's passing the torch, right? And because Mary is the first person to witness the risen Lord, he tells her to go tell the others, which makes Mary his one. You could ask why and say, Roger, how could you make such a bold claim? Because what I'm not saying is that there wasn't many others. There's tons of disciples and tons of people, right? Like God saves millions of people. It wasn't that Mary was just... But it was, from, it was Mary was the one for this purpose. At this time, standing at the empty tomb to witness the resurrected Christ and go share the gospel with everybody else. She was his one. Maybe that doesn't seem as significant to you, but that's because I haven't told you everything about Mary. Because you wouldn't have received all the lessons God had for you up to this point. You wouldn't have heard none of what I've already shared with you. Why? Because we're all judgmental and we form opinions we shouldn't in the same way I did for Joe and Haley. That's why God says in Isaiah 55 verses 8 through 9, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. Truth is, I wouldn't have picked Mary either. Because in Luke chapter 8, Jesus tells us that she was a a demon-possessed woman. If there's any kids in here that don't need to see anything scary before I show this, you can hide their eyes while I show this image real quick. Other than Stephen, yeah. But I want you to see this, right? Many of you are familiar with that. Like, you know what movie it comes from and anything? But Mary was a demon-possessed woman. It literally and specifically says she had seven demons that Jesus delivered her from. You can turn that off. My wife had nightmares. Yet she was the first person to see the risen Lord and the first evangelist in human history in spite of who she was. Right? Jesus never concerned Himself with Mary's past or present mistakes and neither should we. Why? Because only God can transform a person in such a radical way to use for His glory. And personally, this is another opinion, I believe due to what Jesus had set her free from, He knew she'd be the only one who would believe what He had planned from the beginning of time to show her in this very moment. 
Right? You set somebody free from something, you know what I'm saying, like that, it's not real hard to believe that he just raised from the dead. Luke 7, those who have been forgiven much, love much. And we know he is willing, he does desire to do so, to do the same thing for others. Because the Bible tells us that Jesus came to seek and save the lost. He wasn't here for the healthy folks, but for the sick. He didn't come for the righteous, but for sinners. And now that He's gone, ascended to heaven, and left us the Holy Spirit, the same Spirit with the same power that raised Christ from death to life, the question is, why ain't we doing something about it? I know many of you don't feel as if God could possibly use you, but you honestly have no basis for such a thought if the Scriptures are absolute truth, and I believe they are. God was and is in the business of using ordinary people to do extraordinary things because God gets all the glory. He took a demon-possessed woman to be the one that He set free. So that when he chose to raise from the dead, she would be there to see it and he could tell her to go tell others. I know I've said that four times, but it's important, right? So with that reality, the Spirit led me to the lost sheep parable in Luke chapter 15. And I know many of you are familiar with this because it's easy to relate to, right? The one that Jesus left the 99 to rescue the one. Like I identify, and that speaks to me because I was that one at one time. But what did the 99 do? You ever thought about that? I hadn't. I love the idea that Jesus came after me. I love the idea that Jesus rescued me. But now that I've been saved and rescued, I'm a part of the 99. And the question I keep running through my head is what did the 99 do while God was out rescuing the one? They stayed, obeyed, and prayed. They stayed the course, they obeyed the Lord, and they prayed that God would desperately save that one. Because that's what sheep do. My song of the sermon. <laughs> About to put Nick out of business. <laughs> it's simply going to be us practicing our response on Easter Sunday. And I haven't even told you about that. But we got to get this down first because this is what we're going to be doing. So I'm going to start and you guys are going to sing with me. Are you all ready? It's awkward and it's probably silly and you're going to be worried that the guy next to you is watching to see if you're actually singing because you're so much cooler than he is. And really nobody cares. <laughs> what did 99 do? Sing with me. Praise God. Praise God, praise God, praise God, praise God, praise God, praise God, praise God. 
God. Praise God. Praise God. All right, give me a hand. That was okay, but that was the point. Like, we got to practice that, guys. We got to be ready because God's on the move and, and He's going to do something really big. But that's just us practicing our response for Easter. And I ain't passed that through the worship team, so they're probably going to be, I don't know. We're going to talk about it. I'm letting God do what He's got to do, right? Our God is an awesome God. Would you guys agree? And He is worthy of praise. Would the one that's been rescued say, Amen? But what did 99 do? He can and he will rescue that one that you may have counted out, but he's waiting for you to do something about it. Jesus passed the torch to the disciples to go, not based on who they were or what they could do, but because of who God is and what He wants done. And based on the Scriptures that I've already pointed you to, He's already been working in the background. And all we have to do is be obedient to reveal Himself to us in a bigger way for His glory. Guys, I want to see God move in a mighty way. Like I'm sick of just doing what we do come Sunday. You know what I mean? I'm sick of going through motions. I'm sick of being a Christian. Like I, I, I talk about this often, but I'll say, you know, it's funny because like God does something and I'm surprised that he did it after I prayed for it, right? Like I, oftentimes I don't know that I really believe what I'm teaching or preaching. Like I do, but I don't show that I do. I don't act like I'm believing that God can do some of the things that I know He can do. And that's kind of why we're doing this. Jesus passed the, the torch. And I'm ready to see God in a bigger way. I'm ready to see God in a way I've never seen Him before. Because that's what God does. And although this is moving me out of my comfort zone and pushing me to have Jesus be revealed in a new and bigger way. I'm stepping out in faith, and I'm calling a church-wide fast and prayer for each of us to choose our one from now till Easter, believing He will answer our efforts. Amen? I say that, and I know somebody. And, and let me be real with you about something real quick. When I say, uh, for me, it's kind of pushing me out of my comfort zone, like it's no secret, I'm, I'm a little more conservative and stuff, but I so desire to be more spiritual, right? Like I really do. Uh, I wish God would do it for me, and I'm praying that He will. But this for me is kind of stepping out here and like saying, hey man, I believe God will do this. I want you to know something. If God chooses not to do anything, it won't be because the 99 did nothing. You hear me? I'm believing God's going to do this. And I'm asking each one of you to join me in doing this. Listen, so, so some of you start thinking, well, wait a minute, does it got to be just one? No, I don't care. Let it be 32 for all I care, right? It can be just one. I know somebody's coming to your mind right now. It can be one friend. It can be one whole family. It can be one whole community. One whole recovery program. It could be someone who maybe not needs to be saved, but has walked away from the Lord and is out there in a place that you know is leading to destruction and your heart's broken over them. It may be that one. Right? 
I've already started mine. Fasting. Fasting, simply denying yourself of something. Right? Like get rid of Facebook from now till Easter. Get rid of uh, mine's been sweets and sodas and I got a a hunch God's going to add more to that because there's a lot of things I need to deny myself of. But right now, like, I got diabetes and it's been really bad. So I, I was like, man, Lord, okay, here we go. You know, we're about to do this. So I got rid of sweets and sodas. I was at this recovery jazz last night and they had eight packages of cookies. And I, I almost went. I was, like, I was going for it, you know, just out of habit. And the spirit was like, eh-eh. Ain't happening. You know what I mean? I was like, man, I was scared that I almost broke that fast. And it had been like three days. So... But I'm asking each and every one of you guys to join me with Ezra 8, verse 23. So we fasted and implored our God for this, and He listened to our entreaty. There comes a point where we as a body of believers, desperately wanting to see God do something in a bigger, newer way, Trusting and believing that He can and will, will deny ourselves of something and begin to pray intentionally for one person or one whatever you want to do. And come Easter Sunday, know that we're going to experience someone standing up and testifying about what God has done for them. Music team and, and prayer team, you guys can come up. Listen, the parable of the lost sheep has the shepherd going after the one. And although salvation is of the Lord, meaning God saves, not us, but because of the empty tomb and the great commission that Jesus left us with, were the vehicles or the vessels that He uses to share the Gospel, to fast and to pray. And we have a responsibility as a believer to go to send God after that one because the 99 stayed, obeyed, and prayed. And that's what we're going to do. Because Jesus is sitting at the right hand of the Father, but sent the Spirit of God to work in us, and we will obey. And come Easter Sunday, we'll see Jesus in a bigger, better way, just like Mary did on the day of resurrection thinking he was the gardener. Will you join me in this initiative? I thought I had a card, but I don't. I want to see God move in a way I ain't ever seen him move before. I don't know if y'all are cool with that or not, but the truth is I don't care. Right? I want you to pick your one. I want you, I want you to be intentional, man. Don't, don't, let's do this. You know what I'm saying? I'm telling you, come Easter, it's going to be crazy. Like, y'all are going to be like, man, you know, I thought I knew how powerful God was, but turns out, like, it, it happened. It happened. And, and, and it doesn't have to be just till Easter. Like, if, if, if God doesn't respond for that one person for you, this is something we just keep doing. I'm not stopping. I'm sending God after the one, right? But I'm going to recognize that I'm the 99, and I have a responsibility. And I'm going to do that. And by the way, something that crossed my mind this morning as I was thinking about this, Daniel Horn and Bobby Seaton. At one time, y'all was Tina Seaton's one. Joe Welsh, Lacey, at one time, you was your mama's one. 
These two don't even know it. But at one time, this was Brenda Sue's one. God answers prayers. God goes and gets them. You know what I mean? And it's funny because I sit around and I got people in my own family that don't know Jesus and, and to be, you know what I mean? Like, let's, let's just say what it is. Like, if Jesus came back today, I know that person would go to hell. Sure, I, I've said a prayer for them. Sure, I've, I've talked to God about it. Sure, I've read the Scriptures to give me encouragement and to motivate me to do more. But am I intentional? Am I denying myself of something? Am I saying, God, I believe You. I, be I will say to this point, God, I'm standing on what I know to be true, that at one time I was one. And somebody was praying for me. The 99 stopped and dropped everything and went to the Lord. You guys got one, don't you? You got one? We're going to be passing these out at the door. And all it says on the back is who's your one. And this is just for you guys. Like, There's nothing magical about this. I don't really care what you do with it. But just write your name down and become intentional. And let's start from today till Easter, trusting that God's going to answer some of these, these, uh, these faithful prayers, right? They're going to be at the doors. You guys can grab one before you head out. I don't care what you think about how lost that one that comes to your mind is or how far gone they may be. We've seen how that worked out for me interviewing two people that I would have said they ain't going to get it. Right? And by the way, just to capitalize on all that, if you're in Christ today, I don't care who you are, it's easy to point out a few just because I know their story. You need to know outside of a divine intervention, like God just radically and miraculously saving somebody because that's what He was going to do. The 99 was praying for you, and that's why you're here today. So we're closing this morning, not talking about it, but being about it. And we're going to start today in prayer. I'm going to invite whoever wants to join us in this initiative. You don't have to have your one yet, but we're going to just come down here and we're going to pray. You don't have to come down here for God to hear your prayer. You can sit right, you're too cool. You sit right there and pray yourself. Right where you're at. I don't care. But if you want to join us now, would you forget where God's brought you from? Oh, you don't appreciate the prayer of the 99 that got you to where you're at today? You better get to stepping. God wants to rescue that one that you know needs Jesus. Bring on Easter. We're about to see Jesus in a bigger, newer way. Amen. Hey, thanks for joining us today. A special thanks to those who sow into this ministry. If you'd like to partner with us financially, text all one word, Matthew's Table, to 73256. That's Matthew's Table to 73256. It's because of you this ministry is possible. If you like what you've heard, click the subscribe button and share it with your friends. 
You never know what God can do through your one act of obedience. Have a great week. We'll see you next week. God bless.